When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, Kules. Welcome to Barca Talk. I'm your host, Gabriel Quiroga, here in the Spanish capital. In today's show, we have football journalist Ben Hayward, who joins me. We talk about FC Barcelona's recent form, and we review the Elche match that happened today, which is Sunday, where Barca beat Elche 2-1 in the south of Spain. Before we get to our talk, I just want to really talk about just the recent form of Barcelona. I think today's match was the most impressive because today we didn't start with our strongest 11. It was an away game. It was a siesta game, which means it started at 4 o'clock local time here, as we always talk about. And the other thing, too, is we were able to gut it out and to really be mentally tough and get that victory. Now, the penalty, you know, obviously you can say luck or what, what have you. But I think with the amount of chances that Barca were creating in the second half, especially with the changes that Xavi made and the, the strategy that he put into it, I think really affected the game and turned it into Barca's favor, getting three points. And now, as we're recording, because this is before the Atletico-Real Betis match tonight, they're sitting third place, which, again, I cannot believe the turnaround of this team and how quick it has happened. Xavi has this team focused. He has this team engaged. More importantly, he has his team, his players knowing what is expected of them. And I think that is a huge, a huge upgrade to Kuman, where Kuman just would seem like he would just throw players and formations to the win there. I'm really excited about what is coming around with this team, especially with the youngsters, as we've as I've talked about in the last couple of weeks. But more importantly, I think this Europa tournament is huge for this team. I think not only getting into Champions League qualification right now where they stand, but also if they can win this trophy in Europa League. And as we talk as I talked to Ben about it, even though it is considered, you know, the second tier trophy, it's still a trophy. Having this experience play out, especially midweek European nights, I think is really, really invaluable for the youngsters on this team who don't have that much Champions League experience. If we're talking Pedri, Gavi, Nico, Araujo, these type of players. I'm really excited about the, the turnaround of this team. Again, as we talk about, the team is fun to watch. Now, in this match, we've been spoiled recently with these four goal outputs, but in this match, I thought it was very entertaining. I thought, I thought Barca did a great job of carrying possession but not only carrying that possession which was close to 70 percent but being dangerous and i think that's what we've been lacking the last couple seasons in today's match i was able to watch what is called the multi-camera angle here on movistar 
And it was really cool because they split up the screen into basically one screen where you get like a coach's view. You get the long view of the of the field and that never changes. And then on the left, you have three panes and one pane is like the TV feed. So if I was actually watching the real feed, uh, it would show like zooms into the players and so forth. The other two feeds were the coaches. And I really enjoyed this view because I was able to see the defense and how they react on the counters. And there's still a lot of work that needs to be done with this defense because almost on every counter that Elche had, they had numbers. And, you know, I don't know if this is the fault of our defense or just really great scouting on Elche's part, but man, so many times they came and they outnumbered us in the middle. And Elche had some really great opportunities. Now, Ter Stegen made some good saves in the second half, but again, as we talk with Ben, we kind of dissect a little bit about his performances and trying to analyze what is going on recently with Ter Stegen in the last couple of seasons. Uh, because statistically, there's not a major drop-off. Like the only drop-off we see is the conceded goals per game, which is now averaging one per game. It's very high considering that not long ago he was one of the two best goalkeepers in the world. So we talk more about that uh, with Ben, about our perceptions recently of Ter Stegen and his ability or lack of agility in that. Before we get to my conversation with Ben, want to let you know about Surfshark. This episode is brought to you by Surfshark. Does this sound familiar? This video is not available in your location. As I told you before, this drives me absolutely crazy. I love my American sports, right? I try to watch NFL, NBA, uh, La Liga highlights as well, and sometimes it's blocked, right? Because where I'm located in Spain. More recently, obviously with the NFL just finishing with the Super Bowl, Saturday Night Live is kind of one of the things I want to watch, especially the weekend update. I love those two guys, the way they are able to talk with each other. The jokes that they have, I, I think, are incredible. And the only way I can watch SNL is through a quality VPN. Again, as I told you before in the last episode, another guilty pleasure of mine is watching 90 Day Fiance. Again, this is a show that's basically only available in the USA. And with Surfshark, I'm able to get all this video content seamlessly. And I've been test driving even more. I'm a techie. So for me, this is like a dream come true. I'm able to get access to all this video that I didn't have before, and it's so seamless, especially with the extension on Chrome. It's a push of the button. You have so many location options. It's amazing. It works flawlessly. I haven't had an issue. As I told you before, the process of registration is so simple. You basically sign up, email, you download the the Chrome extension, and boom, you are ready to rock and roll and surf the web like never before. You're able to get all this incredible video content all around the world, and it does not matter about your geolocation. I was able to install the app on my Fire Stick, and also with that, I was able to change my location, install a TLC app, and I was able to watch the backlog of 90 Day Fiance. Obviously, I'm telling you about my personal experience and my love of tech. Obviously, there's some other benefits of having a quality VPN. A VPN doesn't only increase online privacy, which you need, trust me, it helps you avoid hackers. It also helps you access entertainment, just like I said, because the content you see is limited by geographic location. But if you use a VPN, like Surfshark, you can change your virtual location and forget about restrictions and censorship. Can't find what to watch on Netflix, Hulu, Disney Plus, or other streaming platforms? Unlock new libraries with a VPN. Can't watch a YouTube video? Connect to a different location with a VPN. Like I told you with my Saturday Night Live, it's a major issue here in Spain. Not able to watch it. Now with Surfshark, no problems. Can't access certain websites or apps through school or office networks? 
try Surfshark VPN. Try Surfshark risk-free with a 30-day money-back guarantee. Get Surfshark VPN at surfshark.deals/barsa. Enter promo code BARSA for 83% off and three extra months free. You heard me right, three extra months for free. That's surfshark.deals slash Barca. The link is in the show notes and get to surfing. After the break, Ben Hayward joins me as we discuss Barca's victory against Elche on Sunday. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, believe it by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What has been kind of the biggest difference you've seen recently, uh, especially after this last international break where it basically started with the Atletico Madrid match and going forward? Is there anything that you are... Because I'm always interested in your perception outside of the Spain bubble, you know? Like, I love that you can kind of see this. So I'm just curious, what is the biggest difference you've been seeing uh, with this turnaround, basically, of Barca's uh, last performances? Sure. Well, yeah, I think it's been gradual, Gabriel, since November. And obviously the last loss, which was at home to Betis, is early December now. And since then, it's been 11 La Liga games uh, without defeat, seven wins and four draws and um, just a really good run of form. I didn't think Barca were at their best today, but I think the uh, the change has been gradual. I think the first few games under Xavi, they were still a little bit shaky, even when they were winning. I remember the first game against Espanyol uh, was a little bit of a, a fortunate win. And then uh, there's, you know, there's been um, you know a couple of defeats and, and some draws. Uh, but gradually, I think performances have got better. I think Xavi literally having the time to work with the players is a big thing as well because when he started out, uh, you know, they were playing every three days and you haven't really got much time to get your ideas across on the training ground when you're, you're playing matches, you know, two, three games a week. But obviously, um, uh, more recently, uh, the games haven't been quite so regular, um, quite so frequent. And so that's given Xavi time to get his ideas across. I think uh, the winter signings the January signings have all made a massive difference it's been an incredible January for Barca I think it's eight goals from the 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 signings that they've made uh, just a really big impact um you know every one of them you know you'd be happy um if two of them had done really well and the other two not so well but all four have done really well I think Alves has come in and been really important and obviously, Adama, uh, Obama, Obama Yang with his goals, um, and, for, and Ferran as well, who, who showed up today. He's been criticised, I know, for missing chances, uh, but had a big, big impact in, in today's win. So I think it's a, a combination of factors. And I think also there's a feel-good factor about Barcelona now, about Xavi. If you look at the, the training sessions, the, the players all seem happy. Um, there's a, the mood has definitely shifted about the club. So uh, I think part of it is, is tactics and uh, ideas and Xavi getting those ideas across. But I think uh, the, the mood in the camp as well uh, is another important factor in, in the improvement. And you know, added to that, as I said, the, the January signings as well. And um, 
just the, all of that has helped this this upturn in form, which of course breeds confidence as well. And um, there's nothing to to lose now, really, for for Barca. There's, there's no expectations really uh, for the end of of this season. Obviously, there's disappointment of getting knocked out uh, of the Champions League into the Europa League and and just you know that um, that setback. But now it's a, it, it's possibly a competition they could go on and win. Uh, and La Liga, that you know, things can only get better. You know, obviously, um, the, the goal is to achieve a Champions League place. Uh, but yeah, uh, up to third, as you mentioned, I think um, I think if you go back to November, Barcelona would have been absolutely delighted with that. That's one of the things that kind of you know I hate to look in the past, but there's one of the things that kind of annoys me is that I wish Chavi would have came in at the beginning of the season because having the whole summer, you know, having his you know thumb on the transfers coming in I think would have been a big impact I think they would have done better at the beginning of the season and still in Champions League but again I don't want to continue beating that dead horse but still that's that's one of the things and the other thing too I think you know with with Dechabi I think also to the other thing he's just a good communicator I don't know if you've seen him in the press conferences obviously you know obviously with the Spanish and everything but I just see the confidence of how he communicates not only to the press but to his players and I think that also breeds a lot of confidence whereas Kuman was like really combative a lot of times and I know the performances had that effect because the, the press were kind of really after him that way but today like for example uh, in the, the press conference after the game he was on Movistar and he was asked some questions where he could have gone off tangents and he said I'm not going to talk about it and just moved on you know and I think not giving the press that much I think he communicates strongly compared to Kuman, let's say. And I know it's difficult to compare because Kuman's not, you know, Spanish native. But I think those are really minor things that kind of maybe overlooked. And I think that also breeds confidence, too, because his ability to speak multiple languages as well, I think, is breeding confidence to his team to be able to communicate exactly what he wants from each player. And just like you said, to be able to hit on two of the signings, let alone all of them, is pretty phenomenal, especially in such a short window. Absolutely right, Gabriel. I think um, Chevy is a good communicator, as you say, and is, I've been really impressed with his English as well. I knew that he spoke English, but I don't think any of us knew he spoke this well in English. So that's been a plus. But yeah, um, he seems to be at ease. I think it comes uh, just from knowing this club so well. And also, as a player, he spent you know, virtually his, his whole career Barcelona. He, he knows exactly how it works. He knows how the media work. And it's not like Kuman didn't know that. And Kuman spent a long time at Barcelona. But that was, you know, Kuman was there um, some time ago. And Xavi's been here very recently. And I think he knows exactly what to expect. And he's just slotted in there seamlessly. And of course, all the players idolize him, which is a, a similar, similar situation to the one we had was when Guardiola was in charge, you know, Xavi and Iniesta and all those guys looked up to Guardiola and this, all of this generation uh, look up to Xavi. So, um, yeah, I think, um, I think it's gone really well, uh, perhaps better than, than anyone could have hoped with yeah. one or two setbacks along the way, but, but things are definitely looking rosy now. And going back to your point about taking over in the summer, <laughs> we'll never know, will we? No, that's the thing. We can yeah. speculate, um, but, Going back to this summer, it was a traumatic time for Barcelona, obviously, with, with Messi's departure. Maybe it was better to have somebody like Koeman to, to cushion that blow and, and to be there for that transition because things were always going to be very, very difficult after Messi left. And, and so it proved uh, for a few months. And maybe that's what Barcelona, Barcelona needed, that sort of time 
um, to sort of cushion the blow and then for a new person to come in and Chavi's done really well but yeah it's who knows um, where we'd be now if Chavi had taken over in the summer yeah, and you know you're you're based in the UK, so I, I wanted to kind of transition to this with Aubameyang and Adama that they had previously played in the EPL, and I was not really big fans of their them coming to Barcelona. I just didn't think it was a good fit. But obviously, I've been completely wrong on these players, and I'm just curious to hear you talk about you know their performances in EPL because I thought Aubameyang was washed up, and I just thought Adama was just not that good. I mean, that's just really what I thought. But here they they come to Barca. Aubameyang looks completely refocused, recharged, and Adama is brought balance to the right side. And is there anything that maybe you saw in the last couple of seasons of them playing in the EPL just, you know, just that you thought was going to translate as well as it has in these recent weeks for Barcelona? Because I, to me, it's a complete shock. Yeah, well, first of all, remember that when they were in the EPL, I was in Spain. <laughs> but, but uh, yeah, you know, I have, I have seen quite bit of them um, over the years actually Obama Yang's record at Arsenal uh, was very good he, he scored overall I think it was 92 goals and 163 appearances for Arsenal which is you know is, is better than one in two and if you bear in mind the the fact that it didn't end well um, you know that's that's a pretty good scoring return uh, but it's been some time now since he wanted to leave problems with Arteta uh, in discipline as well, you know, showing up late for training. And I, I suppose because he didn't want to be there and he wanted to leave last year and things just kind of went from bad to worse and they were happy to let him go in the end. Nobody wants a player who, who doesn't want to be at the club. Sometimes it's it can be counterproductive, however good they are. Um, so I'm not surprised to see how well he's settled in at Barcelona. I think he's a great goal scorer and... Um, Obviously, Barcelona needed strengthening in that position as well. So he's given them some some extra quality uh, because Brathwaite uh, is not good enough to be uh, a starter for, for Barca, not a number nine. And uh, Luc de Jong offers something different. He's had a very good start to the year, uh, but he's more uh, a player who you, you bring off the bench if you need to put some crosses into the box late in the game. Uh, but yeah, I've been impressed with Aubameyang and Adama. I have to say, has really surprised me because every time I watched him previously, uh, you know, he'd be wonderful to watch at Wolves and just really dangerous. But then there's this question mark, wasn't there, about his end product? So he'd, you know, uh, go past one, two, three, four players and then he'd uh, make the wrong decision or, you know, send a cross uh, out of play or, you know, wouldn't be able to find a teammate or shoot wide and... He was um, a frustrating player, but you could see that the potential was there. I think it was um, four assists in his last 71 league games for, for Wolves. And now he's got four for Barcelona already in his first four games or something. And, you know, could have had another one today, almost won a penalty, and you know, could have been perhaps in the last minute. And so, um, yeah, he's just, yeah, I've been really impressed with how he's slotted in. I think um, I always thought perhaps if he's surrounded by better players, uh, with all due respect to Wolves, uh, Barca have better players. Uh, and they have players who, who are able to put together the kind of possession football that creates spaces for a, a winger like um, like Adama. And I think he's really benefited from that. I think he's benefited, benefited from the, the coach, coaching of Xavi. And also from going back to the, the football he kind of grew up with. Obviously, he came through uh, at La Masia 
uh, as a Barca player and now he's playing in, in the system which he's familiar with. So I think he's, um, all of that has helped him. But I must admit, he surprised me. He's you know, done much better than I expected him to do. So yeah, great news for Barca that. Yeah, and I think the other thing too is, you know, in obviously in Barca Twitter, we want Holland, right? We want these top tier free agent goal scorers. And I think by bringing Aubameyang, Ferran Torres and Adama, for example, we're bringing like seven or eight type players, like level seven, eight, right? And that has just helped with the depth. I mean, we saw in today's match against Elche, Dembele gets the start. He goes 60 minutes or so. And then Adama comes in and puts that pressure, that relentless pressure that continues on that right side. Again, one of the things I've been really impressed with, just the, his ability to get the crosses off. And like, I was thinking the same thing. Is it just simply being surrounded by better players makes his play elevated even more because again one of the things i just didn't realize he was going to be able to get his crosses off as well as he does because like you said he really only had like four assists in the last 70 games or so in epl and so that's why i was worried about the transition coming here but he's been really a nice surprise on the right side and also bringing balance to the right side which we haven't seen really in barca for the last five seasons especially since messi dominated the center and was always going left so i think that's one of the nice things that's uh Adama's brought in. Now, going to Ferran Torres, you know, obviously he was the kind of gem of this uh, free agent crop that came into the winter. Should I mean, he came today. He, he had made a nice goal. I kind of wanted him to take the penalty as well just to get even more confidence. But do you think it's something that it should be concerning is like his conversion rate? Or do you think that's just right now what's happening? Because as Xavi said, he is providing other things besides goal scoring. I think overall it's mainly positive. You know, obviously, there's plenty of missed chances, and I know he's been criticised for that. And I think it was the first leg against Napoli where he he missed a load of chances. Yeah, four chances. Was, yeah, he was frustrated, and he even yeah. tweeted about it after the game. Uh, but you know, he's getting into those positions, and um, eventually, um, he'll improve. The, the goals will come, and we're. I think I was surprised actually that today was his first league goal because I know he scored a couple as well but they were they weren't in in La Liga so so that will be a boost for him to to get that first league goal but he came on and changed the game with that goal so um that would be good for his confidence all right he could have had a hat trick in the end I think the positive is that he's getting into those positions and I think it will come he's what 22 I think very recently turned 22 was that well 29th of February his birthday isn't it so um you know he's still very young he's still a player for the future he's not the finished article yeah and I think um I think he'll only get better I think Manchester City bought him as a player for the future they didn't see the best of him because he didn't stay very long and so I don't think we can expect him to be at his peak at this young age but um yeah I think um He's um, a great signing for Barcelona. I think there's a lot more to come from him. He knows how to play the positions, right? He knows how to fill the spaces. Like today when he comes in, he came in on the left side. And then when Memphis came in, he came to the center. And it was flawless, exactly. you know? Yeah, and it's that's such a hard thing to do. And, you know, uh, forwards to be able to find that space, because we've seen it, like, for example, with Griezmann, he could not do that, you know, as seamless as, seamless mm. as Ferran has. So, uh, you know, I'm not too concerned, because like you said, I think the shots... With the amount of quality shots that are coming, it will come. And it's, I think it's just one of those things where he just needs to see the ball in the back of the net and it will start to snowball effect uh, for him. And like you said, he's an unfinished product. And also he hasn't been the starter, the outright starter for a team, right? So this is kind of his first uh, opportunity with that. So I'm I'm excited to see it because obviously with the balance with Aubameyang, Adama, De- and now Dembele's even playing at a better level as well. So you're getting all this balance that... 
again, as I always put the benchmark as November, this I never saw this coming at all. And it's and also, you know, especially since you're kind of the outsider of this, you're not a Barca Barca fan. It makes the games more interesting. I mean, that's the other thing. It makes it entertaining again to watch this football team with the amount of chances, quality chances that they're doing like they used to before. That's right, Gabriel. It definitely feels like watching Barcelona is fun again. And it hadn't been fun for quite some time, let's be honest. Yeah, even towards the end with Messi, they're as amazing as, as Messi was. It wasn't as fun as it should have been. It was fun um, for, for moments. Uh, you had moments of inspiration here or there. But um, I think um, since Xavi has, has arrived and the, the, the football has improved, it, it's a return really to, to the way Barcelona like to play and how they want to play. And with the incorporation of, of guys like Ferran and, and Adama, Obama Yang, it's very, very exciting. And as you say, um, players who can slot into different positions, Ferran is able to play uh, on the wing, he can play inside. Memphis uh, is now playing more wide, but it can also come in to number nine if necessary. And let's remember, of course, we've got Ansu Fati to come back uh, at some point, maybe not this season, but throw him back into the mix. And, and that's a very exciting forward line indeed. Yeah, that's a good point. And that goes into my next question for you, because this goes to Pedri. Obviously, Pedri had a sensational match against Athletic Bilbao with that nice Kanyo that he did that went viral, basically. And obviously, he's the future, right? He's the best midfielder we have right now as, as Barca. And one of the things I've noticed with Xavi now recently is he's been putting Pedri on the right side. And I feel that's also opened up the balance because now Pedri is playing with whoever that right wing is, with either it's Dembele or Adama. And that has helped keep the possession because Pedri's so good with the ball. On top of that, I think having Pedri on the right side has unlocked Frankie de Jong. I think in the last couple of matches, we've seen a better level of Frankie de Jong more consistent. Obviously, he didn't play the full 90 tonight, but I thought he had a decent game. He had like one shot on goal. That should have been a goal. But I think he was very active. Again, with this movement of Pedri. Goal, yeah, two shots, two shots. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I, I think with Pedri being on the right side, this is as, has opened up the midfield even more for Frankie, where maybe it was more condensed before. And on top of that, Busquets is not being exposed as much. Why did it take so long to move Pedri to the right? Like, I, I didn't know this was a possibility, you know, but this is now working really well with this midfield. Yeah, I agree with you. I think it's working well. And Frankie de Jong has definitely benefited and offering protection in there to, to Busquets, as you mentioned. And, uh, you know, um, in that sort of box-to-box role in which he thrives. And when there's, when there's a counter-attack, he's got that good um, that ability to arrive. Llegada, as they say in... In Spanish, and you know, uh, he didn't score today, but on another day, he, he would have. Um, yeah, it, it probably should have scored both of those chances, but you know, yeah. um, we've yeah, definitely yeah. seen him um, <laughs> to being much more uh, of a protagonist than than we have. Uh, is it perhaps in previous times, perhaps even under under Kuman, where he had a, a bright start and then sort of faded a little bit. So um, I think it's a positive overall. I think just Barcelona's midfield play in general has improved and uh, and that's that's helping everyone it's helping the forwards i thought today perhaps not wasn't the best example of that because they struggled a little bit against the low block uh lj were well drilled they defended really well and even though barca missed chances it wasn't their best performance overall but they definitely did enough to win the game yeah, and it's one of the things in our in our WhatsApp group that we have for our patrons. We were discussing have we been spoiled recently with these four goal outputs? Of course, we've been spoiled. I thought this was the most impressive match since the Atletico because 
this was going to be a tough match. It was away. It was raining. We didn't go with our best starting 11. There was a bit of a break this week, and I thought mentally for us, it was very a good victory to get the three points because, again, like you said, the midfield played well, but it didn't play as well as it has been playing in the last couple matches. And again, Frankie de Jong had a 92% accuracy uh, this match, and like you said, he had two quality shots on goal. Now, to get into some a little bit of the negative today is the Ter Stegen talk. We had a question about this couple weeks ago just talking about Ter Stegen is I'm, I have some statistics to run through you I am confused by this because at one point I thought Ter Stegen was one or two of the best goalkeepers in the world and I just feel recently he's given up shots where I thought he had saves before and also his distribution hasn't been as strong as before have you been noticing anything that, or is this just something in our Barca uh, hemisphere that we are just hyper focused on and Someone from the outside needs to give us a little bit of perspective on this. Well, I think, yeah, difficult. I think um, <laughs> if you're talking about Ter Stegen as one of the best goalkeepers in the world, I think it's been honestly a couple of years since he hasn't really been in that conversation. Uh, there was a time pretty much from when he joined and certainly from when he was uh, a regular starter from probably the end up until the end of the Valverde era that he was definitely among the best goalkeepers in the world. And I just feel that perhaps because of everything that's been going on at the club uh, over the last couple of years, all the all the turmoil, uh, all the changes and the chaos and everything, I definitely feel that he's dipped in form. I don't think he's been at the, the, the quite at the level that he was. And yeah, he's been making mistakes. He's been yeah giving up shots that previously he would have saved. And the distribution has... Um, has suffered a little bit. I, I would agree, and I, I, I don't think he's he's quite at, at at that level. Even now, even though there's been a, a bit of an improvement under Xavi of late the last few months, I still don't think he's at his very best, which is is phenomenal, uh, by the way. Uh, so, it's a difficult one. The, the the thing is, his role at Barca is so specific. Yeah. Because uh, of the way he distributes the ball. Um, the way he plays as like a, an extra man in defence with the ball, um, you know, bringing it out, distribution, um, setting up uh, his defenders, midfielders, almost as a kind of a libero. Um, it makes it difficult to, to think of anybody else who would come in and do that role better than him. So even though he's, um, he's clearly not at his best, you know, he's still very young. You would hope that that, that will come back. And perhaps uh, improvements in, in defence will help as well, take the pressure off him. And just despite all of that, you still think he's probably the best goalkeeper for Barcelona. I mean, that's a great point because I have a couple of things for you. So with Ter Stegen, let me just give you the last since 2018, 2018-2019 uh, season, 0.87 goals conceded per 90. Then the following season, 0.94. Then 2020-21, 0.97. And now he's up to one goal. So... It's getting worse, progressively, his save. And like in today's match, I feel 2018 Ter Stegen is making a hand on that, right? Like just, I don't know. I just feel like the goals that are, are being, because I, I hate to be critical because I know it's a difficult, everything's happening so fast, but I just feel like one the two things that he was really great at was his reflexes and his passing distribution. And I feel like, just like you said, he's a specific goalkeeper for Barca. And if the distribution isn't as good as it has been, and also his reflexes. I don't know if it's just because of injury or lack of confidence. I don't know what, what's going on. But like in today's goal, 
you know, it was an angle shot. It happened. It wasn't the hardest shot, but I feel like back in the day he's making that save. And I don't want to just say like it was such an easy save because it wasn't. But at the same time, we can see that. And on top of that, his save percentage now is about 60%. And again, I don't know if it's clearly on him or that it's also 30%, 40% on the defense. And it was interesting, Ben, because I was watching today the match on Movistar they have this multi-camera channel. So you can like watch the Barca game and they have the main picture where you can see the whole field. And then on the side, mm, they right. have like the, they have the TV feed and then they have both coaches on the box. And I was able to see like the whole field without changing zoom and stuff, which was pretty cool. Like it's like a coach's camera, right? The right. amount of times, the amount of times that Barca on the Elche's counter was bombarded by Elche's forwards was crazy. And so this is not just an aberration of this game against Elche. This has been happening for the whole season, right? Where on counters, the other teams have uh, advantage and they're taking advantage of that with those goals. But again, I think it's all a combination. And I'm just worried that Ter Stegen is just keeps declining. And at what point do you sell him or you have to go with the youth? I don't know. Like he's still young enough, you know? But at the same time, mm-hmm. if you're giving up all these goals, one goal a game, it's a pretty hard stat to to argue to not improve in that in that manner. I don't know. It's uh it's quite a quandary here because everyone is on the fence because he's such a fan favorite. But at the same time, if your performance is declining so much, you're giving. I mean, one goal per game is oof. That's 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 pretty high. <laughs> no, it it is, but it it's also you know depends on the on how well the defense is performing, and you know, um, Barca's defense has declined over the last few years. And all right now, um, there have been improvements with Xavi, but the defense is, is yeah, still, still leaky. Flimsy, uh, yeah, flimsy. <laughs> yeah, some of it is on Testegen, but obviously not not all of it. But I think we came to expect such um, a kind of superhuman standard yeah. from him that that the last couple of years or so have been quite disappointing. But I think it's also on the defense as a whole. Injury that you mentioned, by the way, uh, I know he played... Uh, through injury through it, yeah. for a long time and pro- when he, he's carried on playing when he's needed to have an operation and then you know postponed it till the end of the season that kind of thing uh, which is is great mm, um, it's, it's kind of what you want the kind of attitude Admirable, that you want from, right? from, from, yeah, your, yeah. from your players but yeah. is it counterproductive isn't it better to say well I need an operation should I just have one now and then maybe I, I will be uh, kind of nearer my best um, yeah. I'm not sure but that's I think like the, um, that, that's like I, the I think you back quandary. now anyway in the short term at least yeah, that's like the Umtiti quandary, right? Like, do you shut it down, take the surgery, or rest up and try to power through? I mean, it's admirable, right? Because he wants to play through it, but at the same time, it's, uh, it's, it's, it, yeah, it's quite the thing. I also want to give him props, though, because he did make two quality saves uh, in the second half in the 63rd minute or so. So he did keep him in the game. But again, it's, it, the, the defense is still flimsy for, for Barca. So we'll see. And especially now that they're going to be playing in Galatasaray. They're going to be playing Europe, European night, so we'll see how that they'll match up. Last thing I want to hit with you uh, is the handball issue. I am. We were talking on WhatsApp about this. We were like, "Do you mm. know? The, do you have a link to the rule? No one has a link to the rule." I asked Twitter. No one has a link to this. I obviously I did it in Spanish. Nothing, right? It's very. I mean, everyone understands the rule, but uh, you know. And I put it on Twitter because I I reacted instantly when I saw the video. Right? I said, "Alba." handball that's a penalty like i just saw and then all of a sudden i saw the replays and i was like okay i got bombarded on twitter like everyone's like it's unnatural it's unnatural Mm. i'm my biggest thing especially after watching 
the rugby matches. What is it? The the eight? What is that? The the six nations. Six nations. That's right. The yeah. six nations. The way that the ref has transparency when he's talking to the replay booth, I thought was amazing. So basically, he st- stops the play right, and they like you hear the conversation going on. I was like, what is going on here? I want this in football, but more importantly, I just want to have the ref make the decision to see it so that there's quote unquote less controversy. But again, this idea of natural, unnatural, like, yes, when you slow it down to, you know, such frames per second, you can make these decisions. But that's why I just want to see the ref make more VAR decisions. Yes, it may slow the game, but if we're going to have VAR, I would rather have it more transparent for both teams, you know, especially with the, with the Alba one, because yes, his hand is to the side, the ball hits it. But again, I don't know, Ben. I just I'm so confused by this because it never is, goes to the thing, you know. Thing is, Gabriel, is that um, you know VAR is always looking. Okay, so even if we even if the game continues, and for for example, the the Elche one, the players were protesting, and the the ref waved play on, and they they carried on playing. Uh, but VAR um, are looking, you know, behind the scenes, uh, and they look at every controversial. Um, aspect and kind of um, play that takes place and then obviously if they think the referee should look at it then they'll tell him in his earpiece and he'll go and have a look at it on the, on the side of the pitch and I, I don't like these handballs either I must admit for me I don't like either of them really being a penalty but if you ask me which one I think is a penalty I would say that the Barca one is slightly more of a penalty than <laughs> than the Elche one. I, but I'll explain. And by okay. the way, I've seen a lot of um, people on Twitter, neutrals, yeah. non-Barca fans, Madrid fans, whatever, posting screenshots. And I don't think screenshots are helpful because you no, can't never. you can't see what's happened with stills. Sure. Okay, you just see a, a ball and an arm, and that's that's not helpful. With the Elche one, I didn't think it was a penalty initially, but it's true that right at the end of the action he sort of lifts his arm uh, up against the ball and you think well, why did you do that it's clumsy and it's you know it wasn't uh, a scoring position but looking at the rules it's a handball his arm is in a yeah. natural position and therefore it sh- probably should have been a, a penalty even though we don't without we don't like it i prefer uh, the rules to be different in that respect whereas the the one at the other end with where alba touched the ball he had his arm down by his side um it just hit him on the arm he had his back to the play he couldn't even see it and i don't think you can give a penalty for that if the arm's above his head and he stops it even though he's facing the other way then yes uh but down by his side i don't think there's there's any way that 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 can be a penalty so uh, even though i don't like either of them i think barsus was a little bit more of a penalty than than the other one so uh and like you said on twitter also sometimes you know you earn your luck you know yeah yeah um, yeah of course yeah, yeah something yeah. if you're creating chances throughout the whole game um you might the more time you spend in your opposition's area you might get a lucky rebound a ricochet a mistake 
or or a decision that, that a marginal decision that goes your way and that's that's been part of football forever so i think you can say in this case that the Barca probably earned that little bit of luck yeah especially the way they were playing with the possession they had they had more than 68 percent. they were there they were actually looking for goals and i think you just kind of make your luck on that again maybe it just may be easier that every handball should be a penalty and just do all or nothing like that i think I don't know. You, I see your face. You don't. You don't like that rule. Uh, I, no, I don't, I don't like every every handball being a penalty because then we'd have um, situation where uh, you know players are kicking the ball at opposition players' hands. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, uh, you, you know, if you be, need a last a goal in the last minute, you want you're two one down. You know, kick a ball at an opposition player's hands and you can win a penalty. I don't like that either. Uh, what I think is the rule how it was originally. So either it's deliberate or it's stopping a goal-scoring opportunity, then that can be a penalty. But if not, then then no, not really. It's but, funny because yeah. I, didn't, I didn't even think of that situation you just mentioned. I, I was just I was thinking, like, like, I wouldn't even think to do that in a match. Like, like, like let's say, last minute, I'm going to try to hit someone's hand. That's interesting. Yeah. I, I did not think about that at all. Wow. But it would happen. You know? Yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. <laughs> but I, did, I just didn't even think of that because that's just not – I don't know. I would be trying to go for a goal instead of trying to hit someone's hand, you know. But like you're oh, no, right, someone, but someone would try goal, to do that. But if you if you can't go for goal and you you know you know yeah. that you maybe put a cross in from close range, maybe it's easier to do that than yeah, to yeah, score yeah. Goal. yeah. For sure. I mean, this happens in the NFL all the time. In the last minute of the match or the game, they try to throw it deep and try to get a penalty because then that automatically moves it to the front. Like it's an automatic play. So yeah, I mean, it's it happens in all types of sports. You find the loophole or the flaw and you try to expose that. So yeah, again, I guess there's no, there's no easy answer. I, I guess my whole thing, Ben, is I just want more transparency between VAR and the ref. And also I just want the refs to do press conferences afterwards. Just ask the question, why did you call that? And he could just say, I didn't see it that way. And then it's, it's done with. I know it's all polemica yeah. here in Spain. They love the, the telenovela of figuring out what the ref said or was thinking. I understand that's a lot of the, the romanticism here in Spain with with the with the football, but again, I I just feel we need to progress more. I love, love the it. way they love rugby the drama does. and oh you know, even, even if the decisions are correct, they love correct. The drama. And because also, I guess because they figured out that that fans kind of lap up that kind of stuff. Oh you know, yeah, Chiringuito. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. For example, Chiringuito. They're, they they're going to go crazy tonight. Football. They just talk about the decisions because yeah, they know that 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 um, sort of winds people up and it sells. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're gonna they're gonna go crazy tonight with this. I I can imagine because especially sure. with with uh, with Real Madrid's performance yesterday, they're gonna be like, yeah, see, Barcelona needs a phantom penalty, quote unquote, uh, to get these points. So anyway, yeah. Uh, last question for you before I let you go. Do you think it's I wouldn't say necessary, but how important do you think it is for Barcelona to uh, win or come close to winning the Europa League for the for these youngsters? Do you think? I don't think it's necessarily that important. Obviously, if Barca have a good run uh, in the competition and, and do well, go go deep, you know, semi-finals, final, um, then that would also be positive. But then, you've, of course, you get to that stage and, and you want to win. And given the form that Barcelona are in, they have to be now one of the favourites to, yeah. to go on and win the Europa League. Uh, because it's not the same caliber of teams as in the Champions League, so um, yeah, I think it would be it would be a positive if they, if they win it. it. It's obviously it's a competition they didn't expect to be in, but once you're in it, 
you know, he wants to win it. I remember Atletico Madrid a few years ago got knocked out of the Champions League. You know, they came third in their group. And Gabi said, uh, es una mierda, la Europa League. You know, uh, you know the Europa League is, is shit. But that was just uh, like, you know, after the match, uh, his, his reaction um, when they'd just been knocked out of the Champions League. But then, of course, you go into the games. Uh, it's a trophy. It's a chance to, to win some more silverware. And I think Barcelona will look at it like that. You know, it's, uh, it, it's the chance to create something positive. And a, a first trophy under under Xavi, a trophy that Barcelona don't have, by the way, in their collection. So why not? And um, if they don't, I don't think it matters because they're clearly on on, on an upward curve. But uh, I do think it would be positive for the young players if they were to win that first trophy this season. Yeah, I mean, especially now the way they're playing and at the where they're at in the Europa League, I really want them to go after it. I really want them to take it serious and not be like, oh, if we get knocked out, we weren't really trying type of attitude. I really want them to use this almost like as a training ground for Champions League for next season to understand what it takes to play, especially the young players like, you know, Pedri and Araujo and all these players that don't have so much Champions League experience playing midweek and trying to understand what it takes to go midweek La Liga, especially on a Thursday night, which is definitely a strange thing, especially for me watching uh, like I didn't know the Europa League anthem, Ben. So I was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you wouldn't. There's no reason why you would know it. Yeah. No, I'm very familiar with that. That's the first one. But, um, yeah. Um, what I was going to say. Well, you know, listen. Like I say, you know, Atletico Madrid dropped down to the Europa League, and they won it. And the Europa League was also very, a big part of their rise. Yeah. Uh, Atletico. They won it under. Um, Kike Sanchez Flores, but they also won it under Simeone earlier, early in his tenure. Then they went to the Champions League and had that great run in the Champions League. They reached two finals, semi-finals. So it, um, you know, it helps you to be com- competitive, uh, and, and it builds uh, a mentality. Chelsea uh, dropped down to the Europa League at one point and won it that season when Benitez uh, was there. Then went back to the Champions League and did very well again. So um, you know, I don't think there's any going to be laughing at Barca for, yeah. for winning the Europa League you know it's uh, that's the best possible outcome of this yeah and we'll we'll see what's happening they have Galatasaray coming up this week so it'll it'll start the run again of midweek games so uh, Ben thanks as always for joining me we'll talk soon my pleasure man take care Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.